Hi, I'm Derek McFadden, proud to be an author, a poet, and a lover of most things pop culture. I am also handicapped, born with a mild form of cerebral palsy. But please note, this podcast is not called Handicapped Writer. It is instead titled Writing While Handicapped, because that's what I do. Join me as we talk with folks in the book world. And this podcast looks at the world of literature from a perspective you haven't seen before. Welcome in to a new episode of Writing While Handicapped. Jen McKinley is a New York Times bestselling author, and her new book is Summer Reading. Jen, can you tell us what that book is about? Yeah, it's... um a kind of opposites attract rom-com set on Martha's Vineyard and the opposites in this case are a what I call hot guy librarian because a friend of mine pointed out that male librarians are not known for being hot and I was like well mine is (laughs) and my husband was a librarian so I'm like (laughs) kind of have to defend the you know the hub yeah but um so I had the guy as the reader and then I knew the the heroine was going to be a non-reader, but I couldn't really zero in on why. And then I started looking at my own family and my friends, and I'll throw statistics out there because we love those. Between one in five and one in 10 people are affected with dyslexia. So having gone through it with so many people in my own life, I was like, oh, she's dyslexic. There, you know, there it is. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of the opposites attract because, you know, if you're starting a relationship and he's an avid reader and you're, I'd rather watch the movie, mm-hmm. <laughs> where's the common ground? Mm-hmm. But they, they find a way. And, it, and I learned a lot, you know, even though I thought I was pretty with it because I'm a former librarian and we worked with a lot of kids with dyslexia. And I thought, you know, my own son didn't read until he was in third grade. And, you know, my husband's a slow reader. My brother is, um, well, was notorious for his texts. You know, oh. His <laughs> we would have like, you know, uh, family read alouds with his texts and, you know, he would, and he was good about it, but um, he knew, you know, so it does affect everybody, you know, and I think not to go on and on, but okay. we see the rise of bookstagram and book talk and those are amazing and wonderful things and they engage people. But it really hit me that if you're dyslexic or you have, you know, any kind of dyslexia, you know, even have a little bit, those places kind of shut you out. And I'm like, well, that stinks. So I really wanted to have some, you know, representation. I I appreciate that as a handicapped person, because, uh, you know, what, what you said about being shut out of certain places, I mean, it happens, whether you're physically handicapped or whether you have a learning disability with, you know, what they would call a learning disability like dyslexia. Um, I think that it just happens, uh, and it really, in this society, it's hard to avoid it. And that's, but what I love about your book and I, and I read it on audio because it's easier for me, I'm legally blind, but I, I, I heard in the, in the note that you have, um, it's different print and different fonts for the print version. What was the reasoning for that? Well, so I started writing the book and when I did my deep dive, um, I, uh, you know, it's funny. It's like you have these friends in your life that you meet as a grown up. So it's not like I was in school with her. Both of our husbands are musicians. So that's kind of how we became friends over the last couple of decades. And when she's, you know, I get the, what are you working on? You know, and I was like, oh, I'm writing this book. And, you know, she's got dyslexia. And my friend looked at me and she was like, 
I'm dyslexic. And I was like, what? And she's like, oh, yeah. She's like, I had to con my way into college on a scholarship, faking it the whole thing. And I was like, no, I need all your. (laughs) (laughs) Give me all the knowledge. (laughs) (laughs) Plus, you know, authors are terrible friends because anything you tell us, we're like, "Mm," (laughs) I'm the biggest eavesdropper in a if I'm (laughs) I'm in a restaurant and I'm listening to people talk, I'm like, oh, I want to hear everything. Please. Yeah, can I sit with you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I know. I'll go out with my family and I'm always like, they're breaking up. Oh my God, he cheated on her. And my husband's like, because you just can't sit with us, can you? You just, you have to be sitting at the other end. I'm like, it's just, they're more interesting. You know? I get it. I get it. You know? And then it's like, how do I put this in a book? Oh, <laughs> exactly. It's yeah. material. So when yeah. this friend of mine told me she had, you know, faked her way into college, and I started reading the statistics and watching TED Talks of people talking about, you know, how they navigate life because it is a full on life every day navigation. Yeah. As you yeah. know, any kind of disability, it doesn't, there's no pill, there's no magic spell, there's nothing. We can't it's wake up and have it be gone. Life. That'd be great. I exactly. Mean, amazing, but yeah. Yeah, there's no it's me, it's you thing. It's it's you. <laughs> 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 yeah. It's like there's no breakup here. So when I started thinking about it, I was like, you know, how, for lack of a better word, crappy, are we going to look writing a heroine who's not just a little dyslexic? And it's not, in my book, I've read other books where they have a character who has dyslexia. And it's, I don't want to say the author didn't do their work, but it's, it doesn't impact their every single day. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. It's just kind of a convenient, well, he struggled with it, so it upset him. And, you know, but but weirdly, he's written like volumes of text to people. I'm like, that doesn't happen. <laughs> no. <laughs> but anyway, just saying, given my research. So when I presented it to the publisher, I said, you know, it would be really awesome if we could make this dyslexic friendly or neurodivergent friendly. Right. And I was totally prepared for that that's too expensive. <laughs> We're not doing that new. No. And I was, so I just waited. And then I was shocked and ecstatic because they came back. Not only did they publish the book in a um, neurodivergent friendly font, it's right. Verdana, it's a sans serif. So it's, it's really cool. But then the book designers went through and where you would normally have a word cut off at the end of a sentence and a hyphen, they got rid of all of those. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, yeah. And then they, they worked on the spacing because there's certain spacing that's more neurodivergent, dyslexia friendly. And then instead of putting stuff in italics, because I have a lot of emphasis. I do that <laughs> too. Books. I do that too. Yeah. <laughs> they went through and they made those bold so that it was much easier for, uh, you know, someone to read. Wow. And it was just like, it felt like such a win. It was like, yeah, you know, but that's, well, that's, that's, yeah. that's huge. I mean, I, yeah, I will say, it is a really good book, you guys. I and mean, it's called Summer Reading. It's a great summer read. And, and uh, you know, I've never been on Martha's Vineyard. This made me want to go to Martha's Vineyard and, like, hang out, you know. Yeah, it's a pretty chill place. It's it's one of my favorites. I grew up in – I'm in Arizona now, but I grew up in yeah. New England. So summer vacations were Cape Cod, Nova Scotia, Maine, Martha's Vineyard, Block Island. I mean, you know. We pretty okay, much that was my next region. question because it seemed like you knew the place really well. Yeah, so yeah, that was, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, I know it so well. I was actually engaged to a guy whose mom lived there, and, 
And we ended up in the nor'easter of 95, and it was over uh -huh. Christmas. So we were like, like Oak Bluffs was under like four feet of snow. I mean, I was trapped in this little house for so long. I learned how to knit. <laughs> wow, that's wow. You, you did, you did know it really well. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. I've I, done my time. Yeah. <laughs> now, did you have to research for the chef part because uh, because she's a chef? The main character, our main character, Samantha Gale, is a I chef. Did. Yeah, and I would imagine there would have, there was a lot of research there. Yeah, and I'm not like I feel like there's two kinds of people in the world. You're either a baker or you're a cook, and I'm a baker because I love baked goods. Well, sweet <laughs> or really savory, right? Yeah, that's what you're yeah, saying. Exactly, yeah. I'm yeah. sweet, 100. So my when I started doing the research on Martha's Vineyard, because while I knew the island itself, having been there, I didn't really know the history. So when right. I started deep diving on the history, I discovered that a lot of the original um, residents were um, from the Azores in Portugal. Mm. And they were the fishermen brought over to fish all the way because they love cod. And so they were up in Newfoundland and fishing. And But there were so many Portuguese at one point that um, Oak Bluffs was called Little Portugal. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So then this is where life, the universe just hands you stuff. Right. My sister-in-law is from the Azores. She came over when she was seven. <laughs> Oh my gosh. And she lives in Massachusetts and she's an amazing cook. So it was just like, hmm, this is all kind of working out. <laughs> so did the recipes. And I just thought, did the recipes. What was it? I said, did the recipes. Oh, the recipes in the back. Those are her, her, her mother, Maria, and then her sister, Laura, my sister-in-law, Natalia, and then her niece, Melissa, and her niece's daughter. I mean, we had the whole family. Like uh -huh. for a whole weekend, just cooking. And I was just sitting there taking yeah. notes. And it was just like, and then they'd be like, do this. I'd be like, okay, but I don't want to mess it up because I'm not a cook. But um, yeah, it was fantastic. So they gave me a lot of their recipes. And, you know, they've been cooking this stuff because she's been in my life for 40 years. I mean, when you go to a family event there, oh, oh, it's insane. Yeah. The yeah. of food. There'll be 10 people and enough to feed 100. And their whole philosophy is, well, if there's not leftover, someone went hungry. You know what I mean? It's just like, I love that. I love that. Yeah, it's it was. And they're just, you know, when she and my brother got married, their their philosophy is just your family. Like you're just family. So she really yeah, is how I am, too. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so to be able to, like, represent her culture was to, it was just really cool. Yeah, uh, it's, I just, I really, I mean, I loved how, and then Ben is just such a fun, fun guy and their, their dialogue together, their repartee, I, I, I get the feeling that, that you love dialogue because I love dialogue and, <laughs> and I can just, and again, it's I the do. eavesdropping part, right? It's the learning yes. how to talk, uh, yes. but the dialogue in yes. this is just amazing. Now there's different kinds of dialogue. There is like the Aaron Sorkin rapid fire dialogue right and yes. then there's the kind that Love you it. do and the kind that i do which is like what would they say if they're real people yes 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 absolutely yeah. and that is the eavesdropping and i don't know if you do this but i have been talking to myself <laughs> since i was a child yes if i'm the youngest of uh six so yeah. There was not enough room at the table for me to say all that I needed to say. You know, right. Because I was the youngest. So it was like, yeah, go away, kid. Um, <laughs> so it's like I'd be up in my room having the whole conversation that I wanted to have at the dinner table, but nobody was listening to me. So that, right. you know, so and but I do. I listen to people. I listen to their 
speech patterns and and the, the hardest thing for me is when I read stilted dialogue in a book because I'm just like nobody talks like that no and it's like <laughs> how did this get past the editor how did somebody not right this? yeah and then you get copyers who are really funny because I will write like people talk and they're just like well that's not grammatically correct and you're like yeah but that's how people talk <laughs> people people aren't sitting there like talking like the chicago elements of style or elements of style or like the chicago style they're yes, not doing exactly. that to whom da, da, da. nobody says that no 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 <laughs> they're people 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 exactly. in, people incorrectly use the word conversate you know when you're watching yes. When you're watching Judge Judy and you see someone say conversate and you go, oh, God, the society Lord. is broken. <laughs> so many, so many breaks, so many breakings. <laughs> so, how did you write Tyler? I love Tyler as a character. He's oh, very... yeah, Tyler. You know, that was kind of like the surprise gift in the book. It was, um, I knew, uh, like Ben has his issues. He's looking for his father. He's on a quest. His mother's pretty awful and difficult because a lot of people have you know i mean yeah, that's the yeah. reality there's a lot of tough yeah. moments out there and then for tyler having him be a, a half brother who's you know half her age she's 28 mm -hmm. he's 14 yep it's like there was never a time in their life where they had common ground and now all of a sudden she's you know babysitting him over the summer and he's 14 and i have two sons and i know 14 <laughs> <laughs> They're now in their 20s. They did survive barely because <laughs> those teen years were rough. You I mean, survived too, though. You should give yourself a pat on the back. Yeah, well, there was no, I'm the kind of mom, there was no doubt I was going to survive, but there was a definite <laughs> question about whether they would. It was just like, I love them. I love them to death, but it was like, they, and it's not just boys, it's girls too. I mean, those teen years, it's like an alien drop. Like one minute it's your kid hugging you and the next minute it's like, who are you? You know? And you, you just got to ride. Do you think it's a want to separate? I mean, at some point it felt like to me, like he was trying to individualize himself. When yes. He was, right. Yes. I think so. And I think, you know, when you had, and there's so many families that are, um, split families and step siblings and oh, yes. half siblings half trying to siblings. figure out yep yeah like where is your where do you stand in the family if you know the half and, and trying to build those bridges so there was a lot going on but i think with him it's yeah about 14 15 i noticed all of a sudden i was an idiot and my children knew everything and i was like wow that's amazing <laughs> i like I remember at 15 just going why do adults do things so dumb and how come right? How come I can't just like go and do this now? Of course, at 15, you're not thinking about, okay, I have to pay taxes. I have to do this. You're not thinking oh, about any of that. Well, that's you're the funny thing. They're so smart and so dumb at the same time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, and on the one hand, you're like, oh, I'm so glad you're becoming independent. Oh, you are so in for a surprise. You're so screwed <laughs> and you don't even know. And I'm just going to watch. You have no idea how good you have it, but it's cool. You know. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, but he he's just such a fun character too, because to watch their relationship, him and Samantha at uh, change and, and the, the arc of it is is just so yeah. cool. I, I have I have half siblings. I have a, a half sister who's ten years younger and a half brother who's thirteen and a half years younger. Oh, so you really feel it. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. oh I for for years I have felt it. Uh yeah. and so as I was watching Tyler, I'm like, yep, that is, that's, you know, you try to stay connected with them. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the, but the generation gap is there. You don't want to, you, you don't want to admit it as the older sibling. You're like, 
I just know stuff and they'll come to me eventually. And you realize that, uh, I mean, sometimes, but most of the time they're like, I'm in my own world, dude. Like this it has moved oh, on yeah. from like society has moved on from you. And uh, totally. you, yeah. you, you need to understand this. And you're like, I, I don't. Uh. I'm still relevant. <laughs> yeah. That, it's, it's funny turning 40 and I'm, I'm 41 now, but it's funny turning 40 and going, am I still relevant? Is it what I, is what I, I learned yeah. 20 years ago? Does that matter now? I know. Well, and they're just thinking, you know, the thing I remember someone asked me once the boys, my boys are in their 20s. So they're, they're, I like them very much. They've turned into, they turned out okay. Yeah. No, so far, Julie's still out. But, you know, so far, so good. Yeah. But during those peak uh, teen years, I remember I'd go to a bunny and people would be like, oh, are your kids, aren't they just so proud of you? And I'm like, I would laugh. <laughs> I would be like, you're, you're joking. <laughs> No, they're at peak narcissism right now. They don't even realize I do anything even remotely interesting. No, no. Yeah. yeah. I grew up in a house with my dad who was an author, who was a writer. So like I would read his stuff. He would read my stuff. But there were a lot of people that like Derek's a writer, I guess. He writes books. It's, you know, and that's, you know, and that's what he does. Like, I, how nice, you know, but like. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. How nice for him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's great. It's awesome. Yeah, I, I hated I, I hated sending people who I knew weren't going to read it. But, you know, I, I would send stuff to them and they'd just be like, that's nice. How, how about if you send it to me when it's published? Like, <laughs> OK, yeah. So um, right, keeping your address. Yeah. what uh, what was it like? So you have written how, 40 books. Is that that I, I was looking? Yeah, well, yeah I think I'm, I'm cruising up into the 50s now. But I mean, okay. in my defense. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, no, you don't need to defend anything. I'm just, as a, as a person who's written two books, I'm like, okay, I don't know how she does it, but congratulations, and I bow down to you. <laughs> I'll take it, because, you know, you know, nobody else cares. Um, like, for me, it's, uh, you know, people ask me, like, why do you write so much? And it's panic. I write out of panic, a straight panic. I mean, I said the world, you know, in the mysteries, you're writing a series. So the great thing yeah. Your world is established, and then you're just riffing on it for the next few books. You have your characters. You have your. Yeah. You just have to kill somebody and then solve it. It's yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. You just have big. to kill them. Yeah. Yeah, it's fine. It's totally fine. It's good. I have a lot of rage. Fine, rage and panic. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's you know it should be because and you know this as an author. Yeah. This is such a bizarre business. Do you know what I mean? Like. Yes. I love my publisher. They are awesome to me. Yes. If you ask them, you know, how does a book succeed? Succeed? How does a book fail? They would literally look at you and be like, mmm, mmm, mmm. we put it out there. We hope for the best. <laughs> <laughs> yep. What other businesses like that? Can you imagine? It's like, well, we're a restaurant. We're just, you know, we're kind of cooking this today and you know, we'll see how it does. And then tomorrow will be something new. I mean, that's what the business is. And yeah. So it's so yeah. I'm always in a state. I mean, people laugh. It's like I'm always in a state of panic. I mean, I've gotten better, <laughs> but I'm always convinced that my career is over with every book. I'm like, oh, that's the last one they'll buy. It's over. <laughs> I think I I think authors sometimes or readers at least think that there's a point at which an author has just made it and we are welcomed into Valhalla and that's it. Woohoo! You now get to do whatever. Yeah, and that's not yeah. no 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 no. Like I don't think even Stephen. King is comfortable ever. No. You know what I mean? No. Because every book is different and yeah. you never know how it's going to be received. And, you know, the public can be persnickety and you just, it's just, you know, 
And you feel differently about every book too. I mean, you have different feelings about every book. You're, yeah. There yeah. are certain, there are, I mean, honestly, I remember there are certain books where you're like, I love this and I think everybody's going to love it. And then if it doesn't hit exactly the way you, you're like, oh, what did I, and you realize. Yeah, I, where'd I go wrong? But yeah, you realize, yeah. like, like for mine, I, my big first, no, no, it took me 12 years to write my big first one. It's called What Death Taught Terrence. And it's, uh, it's, you know, it took me 12 years and then it took me forever. I was querying, querying, querying. I worked with an agent and I was querying mm. other agents and I got this close. You know how it, you get this close. Oh, yes, and I then, know that one. And then, oh, <laughs> and, and then, and then I, finally the agent I worked with said, you got to put this out. So I, I did. Unfortunately for me, I, I did not know that there was a thing called COVID coming. Oh. And, and oh. I put it out February 11th of 20. And oh. everything shut down the week after yeah. my book release party. And, you know, what are you going to do? So I, I look at that book and go, that's the, that is amazing to me. But it's also, I can't be upset with how it did. No, right? no COVID blew up a lot of careers. Yeah. It suddenly became, everybody was buying self-help and um, school books because the I kids mean, were home. I mean, I mean, fair. I get it. I get why you would need those books at that moment. I do. I it, it just. I know. Uh, having a book released in that time was just, because uh, I, I mean, had, yeah, my first women's fiction came out in the summer of 2020. By then, everybody was reading self-help. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I get it. I am too, but. <laughs> but, but you can't look at that, that, you know, you can't look at that like, oh, that book was bad that I wrote. Because that's not, yeah. that's just, you know, the, the the way that the world works is the way the world works. And like you said, your your publisher says, we put it out. We don't know how it's going to do. We think. No, they we, really don't. I mean, they think they do because they have other numbers that you've done previously. Yes. So they have an yeah. idea of what they expect. Yeah. But, you know, world. Oh, yeah. There's big, like, events. before your book comes out, you know, there's big meetings on you know, what's going to be your print run, what retailers are picking it up. I mean, and that's traditional, but there's a whole other self-publishing world going on now. I mean, yep. it's like, and I, you know, cause I've been traditionally published since 2008. I have done a little self-pub, like I got rights back to something and I put that up. And then sure. last year I decided to write novellas just cause, you know, why not panic? <laughs> <laughs> Again, <laughs> It's like, yeah, let's try that. So it's changing. I mean, that's the thing with the business. It's ever changing. So self, like I used to call it self-publishing and I really think it is more indie publishing, publishing yeah. now. And it's huge. I mean, there's thousands of authors. They're making a good living. And the only thing that I, what I'm coming to understand with the indie publishing is that it's so much more work because you have to do the uh -huh. marketing. And yeah, I'm like, so you're not just writing a book and then just pop it. I mean, there are some people who just write a book and pop it up there. But if you're really going into it professionally, it's like you're now the marketer, you're the publicist. Oh, you yeah. got to make all the I mean, like I have to lie down when I think about it. Like that's so much work, you know? Yeah. When I, so that's when, the other reason I can probably write more is because I'm not doing any of that work. You know? Oh, I, I, and that's the, but see, here's the thing. That's the reason that people want a traditional book deal. Um, yeah, but for me, to yeah, totally. Yeah, and and I and I did for years, but for me, like, I also understand that you know my main character in my first book is has palsy, has cerebral palsy, like I do, and mm -hmm. I would get notes from agents that said, "Clearly, you wrote this book for people who have palsy." I'm like, "No, I know how I am. I know what my life is like. You don't." 
That's yeah. Why. So, so what, and what ended up happening after, you know, it didn't work out with the agent. It didn't work out with is the other, the agent I work with said, you got to put this out. So Good. I did, I did all the, I did all the work, you know, everything. And that's, it's, it's exhausting. There's I mean, an, oh there's God. an audio book. There's a, there's a hardcover. There's, Good. A paperback, yeah, there's everything. And, and then you just go, okay, when is this going to like, oh, you know, and then it's done. And then, quick, <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then COVID hits and you're like, oh God. Yeah. Oh Lord. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, it no is what it me. is, but I totally, it, but that's, what's nice about my second book was that a publisher wanted it. And I was like, oh, yay. Okay. And I wrote on deadline, you know, so there's, yeah, there's that I, too. Yeah, I've done both. I've done, and I used to think that you couldn't write on that. I that I couldn't write on deadline. I used to be like, oh, I need twelve years to have a book, and I thought, well, if I do that, I'm going to write three books in my lifetime, and then just be like, well, <laughs> hope somebody <laughs> read them. Uh, but no, writing on deadline. I now I know I can do it. You know, and that's such yeah. a big. Yeah, yeah. That's that, I mean. You probably have to do that so much with as many books as you've written. I I, I don't know what you're writing. Yeah, I said my structure is I take three to four months to write a book, depending on the deadlines. And then I've been working with my same editor for most of the fifty books, so she okay, gets so me. she so knows you. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're in like lockstep, and my agent chimes in too, so she's also good. But I think without a deadline. I, I don't know if I would get my stuff done. I have a feeling I'd be like shiny. <laughs> well, yeah, you would just be wandering, right? Yeah. You'd be like, Doug, yeah, Doug. it's like, I need that. Yeah. I need, I'm the kind of person who has to look at the calendar and like this many pages per day until D day and get it done and no excuses. And, yeah. and if I didn't have, cause it's the same, like I like to go to the gym. Now yeah. I am a person who hated working out my entire life, but then you know, when you're sitting all day long writing, it starts to hurt, you know, and you're like, oh, I think oh, I yeah. actually have to move some of these body parts or I'm going to be frozen <laughs> in a seated position, you know. So I started going to the gym a couple of years ago. And the one thing I noticed, if I'm left to myself, I'll have a book on tape and I'll be sitting on the weight machine listening to the book, not mm -hmm. working out. But if I go with, you know, if I do the buddy system and I have someone to pick that up eight times. Oh, OK, OK. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not so much spot me as make sure that I'm actually moving. I'm actually moving. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and that's what I think a deadline is for me. It's someone standing there going, this needs to get done right now. You can't, you cannot space out, you know, because I would, I probably would. Yeah. Well, you guys, this, the book is really good and it's, um, and I love the audio read of it. I don't know if you've heard the audio read of it because I, I just picked, I just had a good drop to my uh, audible. So I'm going to check it out. I did get to pick the, the narrator. So I was excited she is, about her. She's yeah, she's amazing. Like she's really good at it. And like her, just the inflections that she gives for Tyler, especially I'm like, Oh yes, I know this voice. Um, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, no, I love that. So what is coming next for you? Do you, do you have, uh, do you know what's coming next? I, I'm back in mysteries. Uh, I have, um, I write a cupcake bakery mystery series because, you know, researching cupcakes is a hardship. Sure. sure. Yeah. And that's, that's, so that that's one, hard to do. Yeah, it's brutal. Brutal. Oh, oh. Um, that one will come out. It's Sugar Plum Poison. It's the first like real Christmassy one because I wanted to love the title of that. Love it. Yeah, love it. Love yeah, it. yeah. A reader came up with that, which was awesome. And that one comes out in October. And then um, in February, I have uh, the next Library Lovers Mystery. It's called Fatal First Edition. And I'm doing a riff on Patricia Highsmith's Strangers on a Train. And that's book 14 in that series? Is that actually? Something like that. Yeah, yeah. 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 Wow. Wow. I know. Um, so that's fun. 
All right. If uh, if our if our listeners want to get in touch with you online, and they should want to, how do they do that? I have a website, and that's pretty much where you can tell what's coming up next. And that's just jenmckinley.com. We'll put and, that in the show and notes. And I'm on. What was that? We'll put that in the show notes. Yeah. Oh, you're very nice. Thank you. And then um, I have a uh, Facebook, obviously, uh, Jen McKinley author, and I'm on Instagram at McKinley Jen. And pretty oh. much, I I sell I, I mostly share jokes because you know that's yeah what I do. yeah yeah no I mean I mean that's what that's what everybody should do honestly come on let's all exactly share, right let's, let's I don't need to all, know your other stuff let's just all share jokes I don't need yeah, to know let's just have a I, good time I don't need to know what you think of the political arena I don't need no. to know any of that just let let's share jokes everybody yes. Um, yes. all right I'm in. Thank you so much for being here, Jen. And the book is Summer Reading. You guys need to pick it up. It's out now. Uh, it came out on the 16th. Uh, I believe this episode will drop a week from when we're recording it. So it will be out now and you will enjoy it. It is a great read. And also, if you have dyslexia, you can read it. So pick up. Yes, the, I hope up. so. I hope I hope it finds somebody who needs it. And thank pick you, up. Derek. You are a fabulous interviewer. This was so much fun. Thank you thank so you. much. Oh, Thank you so much. All right. I'll talk to you later and goodbye, everybody. Writing While Handicapped is a podcast solely owned by the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network.